Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we are reviewing Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, which is turning 25 years old. Joining me to have a look at this film, we have two guests, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who hasn't seen the film is Mr. Aaron Vanderclay. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And uh, just a reminder for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name's Aaron Vanderclay. I'm a freelance filmmaker. Um, and yeah, I haven't seen this film, which should really have been on my, like, reading list for university, but wasn't, so... Have you seen any of Tarantino's work? Yes, I have seen a number of ones, Mm -hmm. (laughs) including Inglorious... No, what was it? Inglorious Inglorious Bastards, yep. yep. And, um, one with John Travolta in it. Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction, Yes. Well, that's pretty much all you need to see. I mean, I, I guess. Uh, but uh, I, I, no, I'm lying. Obviously, they're they're all pretty excellent. Uh, but Reservoir Dogs just never came up. No, never. And so I'm really excited to see. It. I didn't even know it was his um, debut film. So that's particularly exciting. All right. Well, joining us as our person who has seen the film, it's Tegan Mulvaney. Everybody. Sup, guys. Hi, everyone. And uh, just a reminder for the folks at home: Who are you, and what do you do? Uh, as Stephen said, my name's Tegan. I am an actor, improviser, and a puppeteer. Um, at the moment, I'm working for a children's charity. Nice. Yeah. And you have seen Reservoir Dogs. Yes, I have. Um, where does it sit for you in terms of uh, Tarantino's films? Uh, is it towards the top end? It's interesting um, with Tarantino films because I, I think my opinions of Tarantino have changed as I've got older and as I've watched his more recent films um so i'm finding myself less of a tarantino fan the older i get Hmm. um for various reasons i still think he's a remarkable filmmaker and quite a cool guy and i think reservoir dogs is so interesting for so many reasons um, which we'll probably talk about later but it, it it's up there it'd be it'd be up there i guess you know maybe Maybe number three number on three? the list. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty high. That's very yeah, encouraging. It's, <laughs> it's a really interesting film for what it represents in 90s cinema, as mm. well as like Tarantino's film career for me. So I'm really excited to see it again because it's been ages since I watched it. When did you last watch it? Probably 10 years ago. Okay. I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Well, without any further ado... Uh, shall we watch this film? Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that your clowns and your jokers are on the appropriate sides as we prepare to watch Reservoir Dogs. Okay, everybody, and 
welcome back. We have just finished watching Reservoir Dogs, and by we, I mean Mr. Aaron Van Der Clay. Hello. And Egan Mulvaney. Hello. So, guys, uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, 90 minutes of uh, non-stop fun and a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, red special effects. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> what did you think, uh, with that being your first time watching it? Um, I was saying to Tegan just before that, I certainly saw um, all the sort of different conventions and, and things that made has made Tarantino famous within that film and it's sort of like it, it came across very much like a normal film in the terms of the way it's structured and I think like usually have like Tarantino films where like they're split up into segments and they're sort of almost self-contained stories mm. um and there's a lot of sort of like talking about nothing kind yeah. of yeah. um so I definitely saw that in this film um so yeah it was certainly very interesting to see how he sort of got his start Indeed, yeah. And the thing for me, uh, watching this back, was um, it, it really felt like a highlights package, I guess, uh, of Tarantino. I kind of got that impression. Um, Tegan, watching it again for the first time in, in a good while, um, was, it, was it enjoyable? Um, it was <laughs> a bit of a roller coaster road, ride of enjoyment where I liked, like I found myself really enjoying bits and then yep. just being bored yep. out of my brain. And then, um, but I mean like a roller coaster because it was fairly yeah. constant yeah. Then i was as um as enjoying myself as much as i was not enjoying myself for the film which um i think is what i mean when i say my appreciation and enjoyment of tarantino films is slowly diminishing mm. as i get older um because what i want from the films maybe is different or what i want from a film in general yep. is different yep. now mm. like i was in my well, this came out when I was quite young, when I was about eight, but I saw this first when I was in my late teens and early 20s mm. and was all about like hardcore black comedy. Yep. Um, you know, I'm intrigued by violence in movies and horror and the use of it when it's used intelligently. So a film mm. like this to a young, a younger audience, mm. you can see the, the kind of, especially at the time, like why people would grab onto this oh, and yeah, go, wow, totally. this is really yeah. interesting mm. because it... It is a somewhat intelligent film. Um, I question how... In- I used to go, wow, it's so deep, man. It's such a yeah. deep film. And I'm like, well, mm. maybe I was a bit of a nong back then. Um, but, but yeah, it, is, it was very interesting watching it again as an almost 33-year-old woman now. The film uh, starts in uh, what I suppose is typical Tarantino fashion uh, with a big conversation about something that's nothing to do with the film mm. at all, but is very much... Uh, I almost feel as though it's like um, ingratiating the audience into how yeah. the dialogue is oh, going to work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a wonderful scene, actually. Mm. It's like, uh, yeah, it's mainly for the characters and watching them all. Yeah, you're establishing how they inter- like relate to each other. Yeah. And the camera's constantly moving. Like, there's never like a shot that lasts longer than yeah. you know, a couple of seconds, which I found interesting because like the later Tarantino films, there's a lot of like long... Mm. like establishing shots whereas this film quickly cuts mm. like there's there is a lot of cuts in this film there is and i think it's partly just um you you see a progression in how tarantino directs things over time i mean this and pulp fiction and jackie brown are very mm. fast paced uh, jackie brown is where you start to see some of those long like minute long shots of just yeah. someone in a car listening to a song um and then you get to things like kill bill and um, Django Unchained, which just of and these the entire of Hateful Eight. and the entirety of Hateful Eight, where he, he just seems to be slowing down in terms of some of his shots. Whereas obviously this is a 
this story is very high octane. It's it's yeah. high pressure. It almost feels like a play watching it. it. That, that's yeah, the thing. It is. Do and you that... know that they there's they always com- there's a huge comparison between this and Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Um, oh, I could they, see that. Yeah, yeah, that's and um because of that reason. I mean, Glen Gary, Glen Ross was a play. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they filmed it, and I get I'm. I could be wrong here because it's been a long, long time since I saw that, but there is still quite the homage to Mamet's original play and that they always have, um, I think even Tarantino himself said about this film that he um, he took a lot of, um, uh, what, what's the word? Inspiration. Inspiration. Ding, ding. <laughs> Ten points. Um, yeah, he took a lot of inspiration from from like Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, that it's interesting that that's like, because you're absolutely right. It's like a play. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I think that's partly uh, one of the great things that Tarantino does with his films, and particularly in this one, is he gives uh, actors a lot of scope to really just do some acting. Yeah, um, and it comes across as like more real, like it is more realistic. Mm. And when they fluff their lines and he keeps it in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- and I think that's part of it as well, is you, you consider a world without any Tarantino movies, and then all of a sudden you get arguably like the most condensed Tarantino experience that comes out first. Yeah. You can see why when this premiered at Sundance in 92, everyone went, what is this? Exactly. Yeah. And why do I love it so much? Yeah. Yeah, and um, it, it's a little hard to... to I suppose, break down a film like this because much like Pulp Fiction, um, the timeline is a little bit all over the place. Slightly, it, It's slightly less um, all over the place than Pulp Fiction, which yeah. has got a much wider scope of time, whereas yep. this sort of focuses on a, a couple of weeks, maybe even less than that. Um, but we, we start the film with the conversation, the Like a Virgin conversation with them. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino as Mr. Brown and everyone else just kind of putting up with him uh, and his his theory of why Madonna is singing that song. They apparently auditioned a bunch of people for that role, mm. including Tom Waits. Tom Waits was going to play Mr. Brown. Okay. And the, like Quentin Tarantino said that the only reason he got the, Tom Waits auditioned and they got him to read the Like a Virgin speech cause, just because he really wanted Tom Waits to, <laughs> to <laughs> say the like a version um mm. yeah he just he'd wanted to hear him say those words oh. um imagine can you imagine tom waits in this film uh, i kind of can i can <laughs> um but at the same time i do enjoy quinton's um cameos he's in his films he, yeah he's very funny yeah. yeah he's a really good actor yeah he's not bad yeah. and like I, I think he's also good in that he uses himself just the right amount yeah, yeah he doesn't he, that's he, true yeah he never has big parts his part yeah. in pulp fiction kind of works perfectly because um, it's just a small role. Maybe his part in Django Unchained was slightly too long just because of the accents. <laughs> Mate. I, the, the part when he's in... Um, um, what's the dead one? The Kill Bill? No, the, the dead one. I just described Tarantino oh, yeah. as the dead one. <laughs> oh, uh, um, all of them. Um, oh, <laughs> Dusk Till Dawn. Dusk Till Dawn, yes. Yeah, I like that's when he... I'm glad he kind of had the balls to give himself the bigger character yeah. in that because I think that's a perfect example of him. Mm. Util- he's always pretty much the same kind of guy, yeah. but yeah, u- utilizing the way he performs um, mm. for a, to make an excellent and interesting character mm. in that one. So we have this opening scene, the the like a virgin scene, where they, we, we're sort of getting to know who all these characters are, and then we have the title sequence with the you know looking back on the track for a little green bag, uh, which is still quite cool. It's yeah. still a very cool setup to like, oh, these are some bad mother effers, and they're going to do some, <laughs> something naughty. Uh, yeah. And then we cut straight to um, uh, Mr. Orange in the car uh, bleeding out. Amazing. Uh, with Mr. White, um, what, what did you think of that that transition, Aaron? 
Um, it was jarring in a good way, mm. and it and it really intrigued you as to like what has gone on. Mm. And I think that's that's a cool opening, and like Tarant- there, you know, a couple of Tarantino films that were sort of open in the middle of action. Um, so that was obviously typical in that way. But yeah, it was that was that was pretty cool. It was. It was. It was very cool, and it was. Um, it was interesting that um, the first proper relationship we see between two characters is between Mr. White and Mr. Orange mm. when ultimately that is the yeah. relationship that is the biggest lie. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's it sort of sets you up first time watching it, at least when I first watched it. Um, I was genuinely surprised when Mr. Orange turned out to be the brat. Yeah. I don't know if you felt that same way. I was surprised and also I felt extremely terrible for Mr. White who mm. was just seemed like a genuine nice guy mm. for all like, you know, just whatever they do. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Mm. It's, but that's really cool because that's those, it, the biggest, like one most wonderful thing about this film is those characters yeah. and how beautifully crafted that Tarantino's writing for them and the way that they're playing them gives you that experience. I love characters where you love them, but they're really bad guys. Mm. Like when you see that scene with, Mr. White just shooting the cops yeah. through the wind with two guns out, just blowing them away, putting 20 bullets into them. It makes you feel really, really con- like confronted. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. really, you don't really know how you feel about it because you, you're kind of rooting for him through yeah. the whole film. You love mm-hmm. him because he seems like such a upright, yeah, upright just, moral yeah. guy. Yeah. And then, and then he's just filling uh, these police officers full of lead. And it's yeah. Amazing. It, yeah, it is, it is great. And, the the thing I like is that um, with, with these characters is there's there's very little question of the overall morality of being criminals yeah. or being bad guys. I think it's I think it's more interesting with Tarantino's films where they're like, no, we we do this and we don't even necessarily need to go into the reasons why we're doing yeah. these things. Yeah, I'm intrigued as to how these people got into this job and mm. how, yeah, how they came about. I'm yeah. still intrigued. And and that's the great thing is it, when they're in that situation, it's unlikely that Mr. Pink or Mr. Blonde are going to be like, gee, what life choices did I make to get yeah. to this diamond heist? You know, it's, it's more just, we've got to deal with the fact that there's, yeah, this these guys are dead and yeah. this is bleeding and yeah. what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, the frantic pace was great. Um, Steve Buscemi is wonderful. He's so great. He was yeah. absolutely fantastic as Mr. Pink. Um, and I, yeah, it been again. It's been a long time since watching it. It was just like, oh, he's he's perfect for that role. He's absolutely perfect. Um, uh, and and similarly, Michael Madsen as uh, Mr. Blonde is just the role that painted him as the bad guy yeah. <laughs> forever. Yeah, but it, it's um, he's he's so good. He's terrible. I was you know those moments that were lulling, which I were boring me a little mm. bit. Yeah. Um, there's that moment where he's sitting up on the pylons um, and they're, it's because they're all very much this, you know, it's all of the F this, F that dialogue mm. is really on the same level. It's just a lot of tough guys swearing mm. and yelling at each other. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Michael Madsen, Mr. Blonde comes in to this scene and he's so cool and collected mm. and it just focuses your attention back yeah. to what's about to go on. He's, and when he's up on that pile and he's looking down on everyone, mm. drinking his milkshake. Yeah. It's, it's really creepy. It is. And I, I think, um, again, it's just that thing of, of, of an actor being given a role and really jumping yeah, full jumping into it. Jumping for it, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and Michael Madsen um, is just absolutely fantastic in this. And it's it's one of those interesting things where looking back on this film, now, it's been out for 25 years, just seeing 
the influence that it's had because for me my first exposure to michael madsen was his voice work in grand theft auto 3 because he was he was the voice of one of the mobsters in that he was fat tony um (laughs) and he's got he's got a very distinctive voice yeah um and then later i was exposed to his stuff through the tarantino work and looking on this this just the very direct correlation between things like um this and pulp fiction and the influence they've had on things like grand theft order and things Mm. like that it it felt there was a real proper through line the whole way there which um just comes through really strong on the rewatching about again that people not questioning the morality of it they're just doing these actions yeah it's interesting as well because they kind of talk about that morality in the film and i forgot about that but there's all those moments in the film where they through kind of Tim Roth's character as the snitch, they there's when he's talking to the other undercover cop, yeah, and the yeah. other undercover cop goes, "No, remember that the guy, he's the bad guy. The guy that's got you in on this thing, he's the scum because he's ratted out his friends." It's like they don't ever pick a side, hmm. but they talk about in like two or three sentences through the movie the confusion yeah. that that there is like yeah yeah that when when yeah morality between thieves yeah. and the real world becomes even like even the fact that mr orange gets shot by this <laughs> woman who's mm, yeah. just just pre- defending herself but she's happy to just pull a gun out and shoot him in. there's all of these little moments yeah. where you kind of question what is right and what's wrong mm. is she's well within her right to shoot this guy who's just gonna you know steal a car yeah steal a car and threaten her but mm. we don't like her because she's killed a guy yeah. that we really like but then he's ratting out his mates that mm. he's just made because he's on this journey yeah. and he's uh, it's, it's a lot a, of people using people to yeah that's that's exactly mm-hmm. it it's people using people did you have a particular favorite moment from this film Aaron? a particular scene or character i liked when joe comes in yeah. at the end that oh, was uh, really funny and lighthearted yeah. and just like he's just such a such a grandpa yeah. And that grandpa humour. Yeah. In such a tense situation. Who didn't tip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even at the start. Yeah. You yeah, um, don't tip. <laughs> it was just wonderful. And like Lawrence Tierney's voice is just so absolutely fantastic. Yes. Like when he's like, You're Mr. Pink. Like, my God. You know, he's just, he's, <laughs> and he can't believe that these Can't people be are... Mr. Purple. He's on another job. <laughs> yeah. Let's just do the rest of the interview in his voice. <laughs> Yeah, he's. Um, oh. But again, again, another actor just doing that job really well. I yeah. re- and I like one of the other things that made me perhaps realize that Quentin Tarantino maybe slightly had has had a big impact on things is that I was the reference to the Fantastic Four in this film. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that feels like such a post two thousand reference to be <laughs> making. Uh, obviously, obviously, you know, Fantastic Four around before yes, then, yeah. but they weren't really permeating um, popular culture, I guess. No, and yeah. and the fact that you have Quentin Tarantino, who at the beginning was obviously very much an outsider, this video store working um, film and comic book nerd. And even things like the fact that Tim Roth's character has posters of the Silver Surfer in his room. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 yeah, I I just thought maybe that is one of the reasons why Tarantino is so popular, particularly with um, a, a generation, I guess. Like it, it, the people who are currently in there, I'd say late 30s to early 50s you can see that he yeah. he, he sort of males brought, yeah, yeah and yeah. males in particular yeah. yes yeah. um would have brought sort of like bringing some of their more common cultural touchstones it's almost like he's a filmmaker for the fan or like the the pop culture mm. 
person like that's how I, I yeah, yeah i think so yeah and and to be honest looking at this i'm kind of thinking that a lot of contemporary pop culture is a lot to be thankful for towards mr tarantino definitely i, I think he popularized it and made it mainstream almost. yeah, a, yeah. A, a legitimate um practice i guess and it's something you see a lot more uh certainly once you get uh towards the end of the 90s you see a lot more of this happening i think it's also because he he's not only a fan of film and pop culture he is a fan of every single genre like when you watch him on i mean he knows even ozploitation he loves australian films of the mm. 70s and 80s that no australian has ever watched yep he's seen them all he and like even a film like this since you can it's as, as literal as the music but you can see the 70s influence mm. this oh, is yeah, yeah this is taxi driver and midnight yep. cowboy mm. and all of those films you see all of that in the in the settings, in the camera shots, in the even in the use of the blood, things like that. There's there's so much in it. So mm. and discussing to, Pam Greer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then to then literally show that influence. I think that's the thing. He's also not afraid of showing what has influenced him, and I mm. think that's really yeah. ballsy because yeah. in any any like artistic profession, absolutely. Because yeah. I think a lot of people when ego gets involved sometimes with things like filmmaking and music yep. and, and all of the, you know, and the arts, um, people are influenced by things. You can't not help but be influenced yep. by things. You may as well own it. Yeah, and, and admit it. Yeah, admit it. And yeah. admit it because you can still create something new out of it, which is exactly what Tarantino has done. Mm. I still maintain that I don't like his films now the yeah. more I watch them at the yeah. moment. But, um, but it doesn't mean that I don't understand that he has such an influence because he is happy to like lay out all his influences on a yeah. plate mm. and go, here's a movie for you. It's probably why I hated Hateful Eight so much because he proudly announced that Hateful Eight was influenced by his own movies. Right. So I think that from the last, that one, I think it was... Uh, kind of like the snake eating itself or, or in this case the, the snake sucking it, its own dick to use a quentin tarantino reference yeah I it's i well i described it as a because it was he, all of it's all of those guys who wanted the film samuel L. jackson wanted to be lead in the film and mm. um kurt russell wanted to be in the film and so they kind of came up with the idea together right. and um for me that film is just like a bunch of guys kind of who wanted to make a film <laughs> masturbating over a yeah, <laughs> over some tape. <laughs> yeah, for for one of a better term, that's yeah. what it looks like to me because okay. it's just guys. Uh, you know, it's it's Samuel L. Jackson going. I want to, you know, I want a big speech where I get to yeah. look like the tough guy, and I want to make people look little. So he gets this speech about, you know, hurting and doing some really horrible stuff to yeah. someone's son, and you know, all of the, it, it was like. It was like it strayed too far into this ego maniac sort yeah. of realm. So, a film like mm. this still has confidence and ego, um, and is very self-aware. But you also have intent and you have uh, excitement in yeah. this film. It's not. It's not fueled by arrogance. Yeah. It's fueled. It's still got fun and exciting performances yeah. and a fun director making something interesting. Hmm. Uh, what did you think of the use of language in this film, Aaron? Because obviously, it's um, it's got it, we we said before it's got a very particular speech pattern, but it's got a very um, it's got a very particular use, particularly with strong language, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and I suppose that that at you know in the nineties, like people are quite averse to like harsh language, as opposed to like you know now it's very 
mm. prominent in our culture. True. I, I still don't think you're going to get as many N-bombs as there is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which, no. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I, I think that's, again, one of those things that, as as a at least as as a viewer, um, this is what I was feeling was I was watching these characters. It's like, oh yeah, you know, they, they seem quite likeable, all right in some yeah. respects, and, and like, then, oh, yeah. this one's fun, Drop and, that. and they're yeah. super racist. Yeah, um, and it, I suppose it's truthful to a, a lot of uh, you know the fact that they're essentially working for the mafia. Yeah. Or yeah. a form of mafia, and um, members of the mafia generally were pretty racist. Yeah, it just seemed like it wasn't necessary, though. We're well, saying anything to the story. It no, was just people talking for the un- sake of talking. I then, could yeah. understand if they were talking about a heist yep. where an African American gang stuffed it up for them, but mm. it never was. It was about. It was just, th- this is what we think of black people. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we think that they beat their wives and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And those are some of the bits that lost me where it turned into um, kind of first year uni film script. Let's, yes. Let's make a tough guy of um, yeah. sc- screenwriting. Like what, what you, and same with all the F-bombs. Like mm. I love a good swear word. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be hard pressed to say a sentence without one, but mm. um it's when there's like four or five in a sentence yeah. and sentence like there's a scene there's a part there where it's mr pink and mr white talking to one another and everyone starts their sentences with, with an with f-bomb, f-bomb? Yeah. and you go oh, this is just say what you want to say like you're trying mm. to this is annoying but i i think i certainly agree with that and i, I you know certainly i was uh beginning to feel slightly uncomfortable uh, at certain points i think there is a truthfulness to the fact that there are a lot of people in the world that do think and speak like that oh absolutely and i i I sort of feel as though as a viewer i i sort of respect not being mollycoddled in that sense yeah but but you are right i suppose it's but you could cut like yeah 20 or 30 out and and you still have 200 yeah and whatever in there it it, it is one of the things it's just again one of those things where it's I, i suppose the, the balance is always on an individual basis. Yeah. Someone will watch that and go, no, I, I, I or yeah. Quentin Tarantino. But it's on the list, it. isn't it? Mm. It's on the, you know, there's those official lists that mm. um, the the people that don't like swearing make of the sweariest films. Mm. I think Scarface is at the top. It must be. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is on that list, mm. I think, along with South Park. <laughs> yeah. Like, it'd be on there, even yeah. if you cut a few out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Wright on the oh, radio. So uh, you were particularly enjoying Bo that. Weemoth. <laughs> I really enjoyed Steve Wright being there. I completely it's forgot great. he got him in, and it just made me chuckle yeah. um, each time. And I really appreciated that little bit of levity at yeah. points. Um, so clever. Yeah. And just, just uh, yeah, really great use use of him and his particular vocal talents. Um, yeah, I, I just tremendously enjoyed that. Um, so... Mr. Blong does kidnap a cop. We we probably should get to this bit because it is yes. one of the, it's arguably the iconic scene from the yeah. film when Mr. Blond is left alone with the cop, um, and stuck in the middle with yeah with um, the cop yeah plays stuck yeah. in the middle with you and tortures him, um, and it's a really effective sequence. Mm. I'm going to say as a as a torture sequence, I felt really dreadful even though i knew exactly what was going to happen i still felt absolutely dreadful yeah. for the police officer i was slightly unsure why he cut off but then once it was explained to me i understood what was going on mm. but i do like the fact that like obviously very consciously like the camera pans away mm. 
from what happens yeah. and then pans back to the action. I love that they do that because I think that that's why it's like it's meant to be such a terrible torture scene, mm. but it's um we don't see anything. Yeah, it mm. plays into that. Yeah, rock, intrigue. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that mm. um, you know, when they talk about uh like torture horror and stuff like that, and about what is actually more terrifying, like in Science of the Lambs, in the first Saw movie, you don't actually see any of the horror stuff. You see the aftermath, but you don't see it being done, and it's actually more gut wrenching. Mm. And that was exactly the same because I was, I had memories of it. Of actually seeing yeah, it get done, yeah, yeah. and then it didn't. I was like, I've created those memories mm. from knowing about it, yeah, yeah, from the idea of it. Yeah, That's you've seen common. just before and you've seen just after, but the yeah. actual like severing of the ear is never actually shown. Yeah. Um, I also think just from a perspective of filming it, it's much easier to just not have to try and film a special effect yeah. of someone's ear being cut off. But it's really effective, and then obviously, uh, you know, Mr. Blonde talking into it and teasing yeah, him yeah. with it. Do you know he improvised that whole scene? Really? Because it was um, when they were rehearsing it, it was too intense. He was too scared to rehearse it. Okay. So when they went to filming, they were like. Just do it. Off you go. It's yeah. all improvised. It's wonderful. It's, I, it's so good. And again, it plays into that that psych, psychosis that um, that that Vic Vega has. Yeah. Um, and that's the curious thing is obviously after Vic Vega gets shot by Mister Orange, um, and then Nice Guy Eddie turns up, and Vic Vega says he's a psycho and he was gonna, um, you know, he cut off his ear and then he was gonna burn the place down and steal the diamonds. But the only thing he lies about there is the diamonds. And Nice Guy Eddie refuses to believe any of it part not partly because he wouldn't betray us for the diamonds but the psycho behavior uh the f- the fact that vic has gone rogue and the fact that he was supposedly responsible for everything going to poo inside the actual heist yeah um i it does leave me wondering watching this again what are vic's motivations is he just a, a lunatic or or does he have some sort of um, psychological issue, yeah, or or, or, or yeah. some sort of plan where he's like these guys. I went to jail for four years because of these yeah, guys. Is home. there a revenge aspect there? It's it's really hard to tell. It, it's a really great mystery in this film. Yeah, that's I've never thought of that. Yeah, it's blown my mind a little bit. Yeah, it, it's just it, it, it's that thing of you know everything is in painted with uh, you know shades of grey, hmm. where. Yes, it's true that he pro- he almost certainly wouldn't steal the diamonds because it doesn't make sense, particularly if he stayed in prison. But at the same time, why would he go do Lali yeah. in in the in the heist? Even uh, in the scene where he comes back mm. out to to see like Joe in the office, there's still a little bit of tension. Mm. I've that came across like I was like, I'm not sure whether this guy is trying to get back at them for something or yeah. whether he genuinely wants to work with them. But yeah, I don't know. When I was watching that, something didn't sit right there. So I would believe that. That he, he could possibly mm. be planning something. Yeah. But obviously we never get to see yeah. it because uh, Mr. Orange shoots him about 12 times uh, to stop him setting the cop on fire. Yeah. Um, and then we get the sequence where we see Mr. Orange. Uh, we essentially see Tim Roth acting as an actor is what we see. We see Mr. Orange learning to be an undercover cop. And it's just a really great sequence. It's one of those things that I'd forgotten about um, pretty much entirely from this film. And it's I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know, as a first-time viewer, Aaron, uh, how did it uh, read for you? I would say that that whole portion with, with, with Mr. Like Orange learning to be undercover, that was quite different for the re- from the rest of the film. Mm. Like It did feel like it could have been a standalone piece and it could have been the start of a film. Mm. Um, but no, that was certainly really entertaining. Mm. And, and the sort of stages of him learning his bits of like his monologue about um, the cops in the bathroom, like that, that was really well... Mm. like structured 
It's almost like watching him, like Rocky, as he's <laughs> yeah. To fight. yeah, and 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 seeing how uh, we even see like him, almost like practicing or the, him him doing the actual telling of the story in the nightclub, but intercut with like him being living in, the story, yeah. being in the bathroom, and then him from the nightclub being him from the bathroom, yep. um, just interlaced was just a really well shot sequence. I again, it was one of those things. It was just like I completely forgot about yeah. this. And it's it is it's so different mm. from the rest of the film. It's uh, uh, maybe that's like Tarantino, you know, because he's fledgling at the most yep. his first feature. This yep. is him getting experimental, and it really succeeding because it it looked like he was just playing, yeah, and yeah. having fun. Like when he when he's telling it, and then they do that big pan around, and they see all the cops. That's so cool. Mm. Um. Oh, and and even things like talking about. When he goes, you got to, you know, you got to know if there's hand towels or a hand dryer. Yeah. And he pauses and he turns, and there's a hand dryer. So he's mm. figured out. You see, really subtly, all the little in that in that front in that frame where they've created the entire bathroom. You see all of the things as he's creating them, and they're there because um, and he's already talked about them beforehand. Mm. And Very uh, cool. As someone who works as a professional improviser, Tegan, <laughs> I imagine that scene appealed to you in particular. It was very cool. Mm. It was, yeah, it's that idea of um, the idea of detail and how important detail can be, mm-hmm. um, and seeing and seeing it and being it's, it's that thing of when you know and you know this too, Stephen. When you're improvising, mm. you are. People always think you're a really good liar yeah. when you're an improviser, but it's not true. You're actually quite a terrible liar mm. because um, you, when you're improvising, you're in the moment, so you are creating and seeing yeah. and believing. Trying to search for truth. Yeah, absolutely. Everything mm. that you do, um, and that, and that's coming out of your mouth at that time, um, even to the point sometimes where you'll say something and believe it, and then go, "What the hell did I just say? Like, why mm. did I just say that?" You're so in the moment. So that's that's what unbelievably they've been able to invoke on film is. Mm is Tim Roth as Mr. Orange being in the moment explaining that story. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we get to the final two scenes of this film, which is the meeting when they're all getting together and the names are being dished out, um, which is just one of the funniest scenes in any Tarantino film. <laughs> um, just just obviously, you know, um, yeah. I, why do I go with Mr. Pink? Um, Imagine if that a... scene was successful, like if the heist was yeah. successful and mm. they just kept naming colours. Like they'd run out of colours mm. pretty you end up with Mr. Puce. Mr. Fuchsia. Mr. Beige. Magenta. Mr. Light. Mr. Magenta. Mr. Light Cyan and Mr. Mr. Dark Cyan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all printed. Print yeah. Mr. Yeah. And they'd be like Crayola colours. It would be tickled pink. Yeah. And then made up colours like Mr. Octarine and things like that. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's just going to get difficult. Um, and then we have that final scene, which like a lot of Tarantino, uh, great Tarantino sequences, a lot of people point guns at each other and then they all fire at once. Yeah. Uh, same with the uh, the scene in Inglorious Bastards with the spies in the, in the, yeah. the Nazi bar. Yeah. Um, just everything's very clearly explained, explained, the tension gets built up to a point and yeah. then everyone pulls the trigger at once. And, um, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. White gets shot and goes down. Um, nice guy Eddie. Nice guy Eddie dies. Uh, and that wonderful top he brought from home. Because um, <laughs> because the film was so low on budget, that was actually uh, Sean Penn's actual top. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, he he just said, shall I use this? And they went, yeah, sure. So it was very That's dis- why they didn't film the heist. Because mm. it was... Yeah. It, it was... It's the thing, it's like, it's this incredible film because they don't show the action. Mm. Um, 
but they, originally they did it because they didn't have any money yeah. to do it. And that's maybe arguably why it looks so realistic because they're not all like well yeah. dressed. They're all yeah. just wearing basic yeah. black suits. Like uh, Joe, a lot of the time is just in like normal like old guy clothes. He's so funny. Um, and yeah, yeah, that was Sean Penn's actual jumper, and they were like, "Yeah, you can wear that 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 oh. weird jacket. Go for it." It's um, for the best, Chris Penn. I, yeah, sorry. I keep saying Sean Penn. It's Chris sorry. Penn. Chris Penn. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Chris and Sean. My apologies. <laughs> uh, I always get my pens mixed up. Red, blue, Chris, Sean. Oh. Um, and then, Pig. Yeah. Chicken. <laughs> that was a disaster. <laughs> All chickens. Oh. This isn't pork. <laughs> this chicken won't lay an egg. It's a pig, Stephen. Oh. No, no. It clearly says chicken on the pen. <laughs> uh, so it ends with everyone dead. Except Mr. Pink, who just tiptoes out. But gr- do you think guns. he died or not? Because there's gunshots. Yeah, yeah, and you hear the sirens as yeah. well. Yeah. Look, in my head, I like to think he got away. Yeah, like he did in the first time from yeah. the heist when he was bolting down that street. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah he's got form. I'm going to say he probably got away. Yeah. and he's ne- But he's probably now sat in Acapulco with a bag of diamonds going, well, what do I do with these diamonds? I, I don't know how to get rid of them. <laughs> so he's probably still now happier. But my my own personal reading is that he he does get away, um, and yeah, the film ends very effectively um, with Mr. Orange saying, "I'm a cop," to, which I don't I, I don't know why he said that. Yeah, other than, I don't know. Other than he had if, a really nice moment being yeah. hugged before he died, which I think yeah. you know, unless he knew like, no, I'm I am definitely going to die. That I've I've been here too no, long. No, I don't read it that as that. I read it as they really formed a bond, a beautiful mm. bond, and he could he knows that. He's close to death, but he might survive. But he knows that Mr. White is going to get shot. In, he, whether they... Right, yeah. He's yeah. not going to probably get... He's just killed, like, a bunch of cops. At mm. least two that we know of, but probably more. Like, I think it's him just, like, confessing. And I don't think he expects to get shot by him, but they can't spend that last moment yeah. with no truth. Mm. Like, Mr. Mr. White... Harvey Keitel says that he's told him his name. Mm. He's told him where he lives. Like he's to- he's actually they've bonded, mm. and so they needed that last. Mo- that's that. That's why that moment's so powerful f- for me because they actually loved each other. They had a bromance mm. <laughs> beyond like heists and guns. Mm. Like I yeah yeah even that scene where they're sort of like staking out the. Oh, yes. Yeah, and they're just like, you know, we're going to get some tacos. Like, yeah. that's a good bond. What it's do you think of that girl? Scene. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it does work. And it's a very effective ending as well because you do need that truth to come out just narratively. You, you need yeah. to have that resolution to give um, Harvey Cartel's character, Mr. White, that choice. Of, oh, and it's devastating. And it, it's great because he, he, he portrays that betrayal just in his face so well. And, you know, he's obviously in agony because he's yeah. been shot as well. And he, like, wails. Like, yeah. He's, yeah. He's not, yeah. And, then and you, he's he, just shot his yeah. two two confidants and best mates he's just killed his family basically mm. and then been told that they were right yeah. as well yeah it, yeah and then and then just ends and all in all um it's it's a really enjoyable film uh, in a in a very particular sense <laughs> of the word enjoying i guess um it's just high octane and it's entertaining that's the main that's mm. the main thing i think this is a highly entertaining film would you agree aaron I would, well, I'm glad I watched it. And I certainly, like, having watched um, later Tarantino films, I now understand the way he works probably better from watching that. But there were points where I really enjoyed, but there was certainly quite a number of 
parts where I was like, I could, I could shut my eyes and just listen to them talk because yeah. it was a, it was a very, very talky. Mm. Yeah. And I kind of agree. Like I talk very enthusiastically about the bits that I love because I, I really loved them. Yeah. Mm. But I, I get, um, I, I would describe this film as the opposite of a classically well-made film, which is you show the action, you don't tell. And this yep. is the opposite. Yep. And they've done that consciously. So yeah. that's why yeah. that works fairly well. Um, but it's too long by about 15 minutes, I think. It was a novel idea, potentially a short film idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, an excellent short film idea. Um What's because those moments where it's um, high action, not actually not even all the high action moments, some of those conversations, like the first roundtable conversation, yeah. are mm. really, really beautiful to see the characters. But then it just dissolves into tough guys yelling the F-bomb at each other yeah. mm. a for, bit too much. Yeah, and for no reason. And, yeah. it's, and it's filler. That's yeah. totally yeah. filler. It's just, that's all it is. It would be interesting to get a script of this film and yes. go through it and, and like go scene by scene and say, what's the point of the scene? And then just cross it out. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I can imagine Tarantino mm. going, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's just because, it's just because they're cool. Yeah. This is what they do. Like he, I, I also think a lot of it is world building. And normally I'm a big fan of going, this film was good, but maybe 10 minutes less. I actually think this film is pretty much a bang-on perfect length. Okay. That, that was my reading. Now, um, it, partly just because I I do enjoy those conversations, you know, the the um, from Pulp Fiction, yeah, the you know, what they call the quarter pounder in France. There's absolutely... No, that's great. No, it, yeah. that is a great conversation. And that's also a, a well-written conversation. A lot of a lot yeah. of what is in this isn't Chaucer. I'm going to... No, yeah. that's true. Um, but at the same time, I... I just found that the pace, for, for me at least, it worked pretty much bang on. Maybe you could trim five minutes if you just cut out every F-bomb. But to be honest, <laughs> I I really enjoyed it. And I was really enjoying the, the designated time we were getting to spend with specific characters, mm. um, with the way it was jumping around. And it's, It was mainly when yeah. they were just like going... <laughs> When something had happened, and then they spent five, it was like watching Home and Away, some like which I have to do at my mum's house sometimes. Yeah. I don't because mum watches it religiously, yeah. and so when we're there, you watch a show where people are like, "Well, you're going to go on a date with Dave? Yeah, I'm going to go on a date with yeah. him tomorrow night." So they talk about what's going to happen. Yeah. Then it might happen. Yeah. Or you might not see it, but then yeah. they talk about after it's happened. So yeah. you hear the same information about three or four times yeah. in an episode. In Home and Away's case, it's like 27 minutes long. Mm. Yeah. So 15 minutes of 27 minutes is just people talking about the same thing. And that's, they have that, I just feel like that happened in this film. Yeah. Things like when Cop's ear gets cut off, it's just them talking about, my ear's been cut off. Yeah, it has. And then someone else going, he cut his ear off. Mm. Yeah. And reestablishing the same thing. It's yeah. Like, it's a bit like a great this. play, like where someone runs on stage. Yes. And it's like, this most terrible thing happened over there. Off yeah. Stage. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then it, but then it's reiterated again and again and yeah. again. Mm. And that's those, I was like, yeah, you could probably just not, not do that. Say that again. Yeah, yeah. Fifth time. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I do agree. There is some repetition, but at the same time, I think a lot of it is, Again, it's partly if they're shooting for realism, then realistically, if someone's going to go and go, what happened? He cut his effing ear off. You know, that that's yeah. going to happen a couple of times. But ultimately, um, I I quite enjoyed this. I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised how much I enjoyed it having not watched it for so long because mm. I thought it was okay the first time around. 
Um, yeah, this is this is a pretty good film. Should we do a little bit of trivia? Yes, please. Sure. Excellent. Okay. Uh, the main bit of trivia I wanted to get from the IMDb trivia troll uh, involves Madonna. Uh, Madonna, um, who is obviously the topic of conversation at the start of the film, really liked it, but refuted Quentin Tarantino's uh, interpretation of her song. She gave him a copy of her erotica album and signed it to Quentin. It's not about dick. It's about love, Madonna. <laughs> Which is just a lovely touch. Great. Yeah. And uh, contrary to last week's Dr. No discussion for the listener, uh, it was definitely not a dick thing. But that's that's good, though, because it's such a man's interpretation of a... Mm. Of, you know, well, of I think... I, and again, I think that's part of it as well, is, you know, that, that kind of, like... Uh, butch masculine oh this yeah. is, we're all agreeing this is what men are meant to be like yeah. right oh yeah you oh if you oh if you're gonna shoot me in a dream you best apologize when i'm awake you know what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> oh i'm tough you know it's it's that thing of there's I, no I, female speaking characters in this film no at all no I, I, there I, was one there was meant to be a female cop in it oh, really? but they cut her it, oh. she, her f- scenes were shot and everything i can't she's in another i can't remember which is it but she's in another tarantino film mm. um but I, I think I like the decision though. Yeah, that they it's not necessary. Yeah, and I, and also like I think it shows that it, it, a lot of a lot of those traits in a very negative light, which I think is is important as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and you, you know that there is a lot of uh, positive stuff like like the relationship between Mister Orange and Mister White and the way they're looking out for each other, and that almost feels like a father son relationship yeah. in some respects. But then it also shows there's just a lot of stupid stuff that goes with that that kind of like tough guy yeah. identity. Because it's not a sexist film. Like I didn't watch this feeling it was sexist at all, even though there was no females in it. And they occasionally are like, uh, you know, they make references like, what do you do at the door? This, what do you do with that girl's uh, ass? She'd be sitting right here mm. on my D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, I don't, that's not sexist. I, mm. in, in my interpretation, interpretation yeah. that's boys. Yeah. Talking to each other like boys yeah. do, like yeah. Yeah. masculine when macho, women aren't around, yeah, pig-headed yeah. boys. Aaron, do. yeah, if Tegan wasn't here, you and me, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> we go off, yeah, yeah. those ladies best watch out uh, because yeah. they actually talk about women a little bit in it. Yeah, well, they're, they're talking about waitresses, like how much they get paid. Yeah, and, and they're they... quite respectful of it. I yeah. don't think, and Tarantino gets painted, I think, a lot of the time as a as sexist and chauvinistic. Mm. I don't think he has. I think he's proven that with some of his other amazing female leads that he's had in... And there was a woman that shot a cop and, and killed him. So, yeah, you know. she's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think there's... I just, like... I know that that comes up sometimes with, like, with these with these movies, you know, because there's no women yeah. in it at all. There's no speaking roles for women in it. But mm. I reckon if there was, there would it would be no point. It would be solely to have a woman in it. And yeah. That wouldn't yeah, and sense. that would be worse, yeah. yeah. And that wouldn't be very 90s either. Because no. I don't think they really thought about that stuff in the 90s. No, I think... 25 years ago there was a slightly different mindset i certainly yeah. don't think it would have been as uh, prevalent for a lot of filmmakers at the time so no. uh, i think it worked just fine um the budget wouldn't cover police assistance for traffic control so in the scene where steve buscemi forces a woman out of her car and drives it off he could only do it when the traffic lights were green <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that feeds into his like go 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 get out the car because oh, <laughs> they had like a short time frame to That's get so funny car. Uh, just just wonderful and it really feeds into that sense that this film is just made on the fly yeah it does feel very real Mm. and it's just done uh, absolutely wonderfully Um, during filming a paramedic was kept on set to make sure that Mr Orange's amount of blood loss was consistent and realistic um, because cool. he he did I I did notice when we got to the end I'm like there's a lot more blood yeah there's yeah. a lot like and it dribbling was, down the ramp yeah yeah very 
very effectively done, having it just blood soaked, and it, it, yeah, blood, blood is such a tricky thing to get right mm. in terms of from what an audience expectation yep. is, and I think they did a pretty good job in yeah, this film. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Even like, and even that knowledge, even when they're talking about how no, it'll take a few days to bleed out. This is a shot to the stomach. All of that just seemed. Of course they'd know that stuff mm. that'd be what that would be your studies to be a hitman what yeah. do you do to people yeah. or to be a you know these guys well it's the heist. same when they're having the conversation about how they deal with the people inside the the yes mm. yeah nose yeah. the mm. butt to the nose yeah yeah, yeah. although Gun butt, not not here yeah, but not no. butt to the nose. yeah. No. just put your butt in their nose <laughs> great <Greg. laughs> it puts them off uh, fart. yeah that's why they have mr brown um <laughs> <laughs> at several points that's uh he got shot in the head yeah <laughs> over <laughs> at several points uh tim roth had lain in the blood uh the fake blood for so long that it had dried out and so he had to be peeled off the floor which took several minutes oh, <laughs> so there is a downside to the blood being realistic oh, man. um and tim roth uh coincidentally refused to read for the film uh he insisted on going out drinking with quentin tarantino and harvey keitel and agreed to do the film when they were all really just roasted so that that's how he got the part they they got him really drunk and, he and if that do doesn't it. tell you anything about like the boys the boys yeah, clubbiness yeah, of this yeah. film uh that's like that's how they cast their films of course they're going to make their films like that and just finally uh, in an interview in 2009 quentin tarantino said he was proud that this movie is often in the top 10 heist films lists but you never actually see the heist mm. he says that's one of the things he's most proud of and i think that that is a good thing to be proud of yeah. it's an excellent heist movie with no heist um it's just incredibly well well put together so i think we should score the film uh aaron you are first up as our first time viewer what would you give reservoir dogs out of ten. Oh. A six. A six? A six, yeah. Yeah. Just because, uh, like I said before, like I really I'm really glad that I watched it and um it was great to see the influences that um Tarantino obviously later utilized in his films. But there were times where I really really lost me. Mm. So yeah. No, that's fair. six. Uh Tegan, what would you give the film? Uh I kind of feel the same. Um, I'm going to go uh, six and a half, I think, because the parts that I did enjoy, I really enjoyed. And I, I really appreciate the effect that he has had on filmmaking yeah. now. Um, I kind of wish he'd make films like this, like, like this one yeah. now than what he makes now, because I hate what he makes now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so out of appreciation, I think, for what this meant for cinema, particularly in the 90s and for, and for Tarantino, I'm going to give this six and a half little green bags out mm. of ten. <laughs> for me, I, I, I'm maybe getting the sense that I enjoyed this slightly more than both <laughs> of you. Um, I, I do agree there are some issues with this film in terms of um, uh, it, it could be better, but I, I, I think it's just such a strong concept that they've managed to communicate on the screen mm. um and it was such it was enjoyable the whole way through um for, for me at least I, I i found everything quite interesting and i'm sure it's one of those things that if i watched it again next week i'd probably be quite bored i don't think it's something where i'm like oh boy i'm gonna watch that again straight <laughs> yeah, away yeah. but it's it's very well done um it's extremely well uh executed and 
um, really enjoyable. I would almost certainly give it, in fact, and I will, uh, I'm going to give it eight uh, of Chris Penn's sweaty chest hairs <laughs> out of ten. Wow, that's a that's a lot. It is. got to pick him out of that gold chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, he was quite sweaty in a lot of that film. What do you think you would have thought of it in 1992? Because well, it was really hated well, when it first came out. I was three, so I would, but, have, but you I would know, have been upset. But you know, if you were you in 1992, <laughs> yeah, because that intrigues me, a film like this, because yeah. Sundance, everyone loved it. Mm. Everywhere else, they had mass walkouts. The the nostalgia with that is that, you mm. know, the, the, they... They say that because it was too intense, it was yeah. too hardcore for people. A lot of them walked out during the torture scene, which is fair enough. Yeah. But I wonder if they just walked out because maybe they got bored. Yeah. By dial- or they didn't like the dialogue yeah. um, and they didn't give it a chance from that. From the get-go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if I would have liked it as much purely just because um, I'm, I'm coming at this having watched other Tarantino films and also living in a in a world and a film environment where we have more films that are like this i suppose or or we're influenced by this style so i have more of an understanding as a viewer of how to read this sort of text and you know when you have a sudden jump to a scene where it's like wait that guy's dead though what's he doing up and talking what i i i can make that connection Mm. because there are a lot more films now I, i i think maybe at the time uh, I, I honestly don't know because I really dread to think what I would be like as a 27 year old in 1992 um, <laughs> because I certainly wouldn't be podcasding this would be <laughs> this would be a rate this I'd sound like Steve Wright I'd be going and next up I'm gonna review uh, oh, <laughs> a film that came out 25 years ago <laughs> I just think in terms of like when I watched it and knowing that uh, that's information about it like I wonder if People just got bored by the dialogue. Yeah. Mm. Because we had violent films yeah. at yeah. that time. We didn't have... I don't... Yeah. As far as like the way it's edited and mm. the way the characters are, you know, presented, portrayed and yeah. presented, it, that's different. And that would... But it's like, mm. are we more forgiving of this stuff now because Tarantino has been around yeah. much longer? Are we more forgiving of these shortfalls like scripting? Because mm. that's a shortfall in a lot of his films. Yeah. Um, yeah. If... It, I I always try and think like what it would have been like yeah. back yeah. when it first came out. It's and a bit like when we when we reviewed um, Fight Club yeah. when, when that came out that was hated and it was only yeah. upon the release of like home video that that was you know it's when now it finds regarded its audience. Yeah, yeah. Regarded as which like, again is young men after graphic violence. Yeah. Like, after I, Sundance, this came out at the Horror Fest in mm. um, so it was at a horror film festival. Wes Craven went and saw Reservoir Dogs. Um, and walked out within about 15 minutes. And I think Quentin Tarantino is, um, listening to interviews with him, he's so almost proud of this fact that Wes Craven, yeah. his film was too much for Wes Craven. Yeah, and I was like, mm, yeah. this is the guy that made Last House on the Left, which was banned for like 25 years because it's hideous torture, you know, yeah. mm. torture horror. But um, but it's intense, as intense as this film. It's like maybe he just walked out because mm. he didn't like it because yeah. it was... <laughs> A bit, you know, because there yeah. were those lulls, and if you and you don't, and if you don't know what that the film's going to pick up, yeah, then you might want to leave at that time. I don't know. Is it, I, I think I try to think that about all, especially when films don't find their audience yeah. until yeah. they go to yeah. to DVD home really, yeah. or to Release, home movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the f bomb was used two hundred and seventy-two times in this film. How, so 
Two, on the list? 272. Uh, so I just did some maths. If you cut out every F-bomb, uh, that's four and a half minutes, which is maybe <laughs> well, the length that I say. Close to five minutes, yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's all they needed to do. It would have been perfect. Aaron and Tegan, thank you very much for joining me to watch Reservoir Dogs. Thank, thank you. you. All right. And uh, for those of you listening at home, uh, thank you for listening in as well. A reminder to uh, subscribe to our various feeds to get a new episode each and every week, um, either on iTunes or on SoundCloud or your particular uh, podcasting, catching, broadcasting device or platform (laughs) of choice. There's a lot of them, Aaron. I'm just sticking to the two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, uh, if you want to uh, subscribe there, that would be appreciated. You can also leave reviews, preferably good ones, but I'm not your mum. Just tell us what you think. You can leave it there um and we're also on facebook just search for the cinema catch-up club where you can uh leave suggestions for films or vo- vote in some of our polls uh you know christmas is around the corner we may uh have a may, christmas film yeah we may look at that and let you guys decide what we watch please everyone vote for muppets christmas carol that would be <laughs> much appreciated um and of course you can also uh, support us via patreon if that interests you just go to www.patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast please do that otherwise i'm gonna have to perform a diamond heist with uh, my very own uh, mr white and uh, miss pink here no, i don't want to pick my own color <laughs> okay i'll let you pick oh color. really can i wear my own shirt You're is that okay than Joe. Uh, well i'd like to be nicer than a mob boss <laughs> i'll be mr marigold mr marigold <laughs> actually aaron you should pick your own color as well oh Mr. Paisley. Mr. Paisley. Yes. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Done. Thank you. Could be Mr. Houndstooth. Yeah. Mr. Tweed. I'll be Mr. Tweed. I want to be Mr. Tweed. You want to trade? No, you're Mr. Marigold. Damn. No more trading. Shut up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.